Yeah, but um, like, but it wasn't. It wasn't point. a marriage out of. It wasn't a marriage out of love. I didn't even think about that. Um, I was so on my on my. Like, I'm so sorry, please. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. Oh. The wet thing is a dog's choice. A, a dog's choice. <laughs> The dog toy I, is I like blend chew. To- I like blend the word chew and toy. Choi. Choi Shash. You're gonna have to delete all this, right? No. This is all going in. <laughs> this will be the first episode where I edit nothing. Coming to you live from the Sea of Tranquility, it's the They Them Podcast, Moon Poet here, and I just wanted to leave a quick little note that for the first 20-30 minutes of this episode, the microphone was on the wrong setting, so you're going to be able to hear a few more things than what we expected, um, and most of it is uh, a dog playing nearby with some heavy breathing, so don't let that distract you from this special episode. Enjoy. two reasons. One, whooping cough is gone and I get my own episode. <laughs> two, because Grace the ghost host is back with us and she's actually going to talk. I'm not a ghost anymore. Yeah, we well, were... <laughs> that's debatable, but I'm here. We were able to bring the corporeal formation that is Grace the ghost host uh, back into this dimension and we get to talk to her today about lesbian representation in media. Which is going to be a short episode, guys. <laughs> but uh, we're going to frame it around talking about the Black Mirror episode, San Junipero. San Junipero. Um, and that I finally saw. Yeah, that we sat down this morning and, and watched together. And I saw it for a second time. Grace saw it for the first time. And we're going to talk about it from just like your perspective as someone who is a lesbian. And just what it means, like, th- this type of representation in media now, and what what's happening. But um, I wanted to start just with the question of, like, what TV shows, what movies, what things have been, have shown lesbians and have affected you, like, personally? Well... Well, I like this question because I literally found out I was a lesbian because of a TV show. Um, So it was the finale of Legend of Korra, where um, Korra and Asami, who until that point were just friends, the last shot, I think, of the entire series is them, like, you know, going into the spirit world and looking at each other all lovingly and stuff. And I didn't watch the episode but it was on my Tumblr feed, and everyone was freaking out about it because it was mm-hmm. suddenly canon that this cartoon had these two girls. And I saw everyone freaking out about it and being all validated in their identities. And little, like, 18, 18-year-old me? Yeah, 18-year-old me saw that and saw everyone freaking out and was like, oh, wait a second, that's me too. <laughs> and that's how I found out I was gay. So, like, I think that was the first... I mean, they didn't kiss, but that was probably... yeah. No, Rent was the first thing I saw that had mm. lesbians, lesbians in it. In it. Um, like the movie Rent? The movie or? Rent. Um, yeah, I hadn't seen the stage version yet. Um, but yeah, the movie Rent was the first thing I saw. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that happened. And so kind of like seeing that real time and seeing everyone reacting to that was yeah. what made me realize I was gay. So like, yeah, that's a big one. Um, and it's interesting because like you said they don't really show them do much except for kind of 
hold each other's hands and go yeah. into the yeah they like, like take a each white light, hands. right they look at each other um and mm-hmm. i think that was the biggest thing is they like turn toward each other and yeah. they kind of move closer and i think it was paralleled with like the last shot of um Avatar The Last Airbender, where uh, Ain and Katara, heterosexual relationship, kind of do the same thing. Uh-huh. I think they actually they actually get to kiss, though. Yeah. Um, but I think the writers... <laughs> which, which tells you a lot about, like, it Nickelodeon, It does tell you a lot. Like. Well, but also, the writers had to, like, push really hard for yeah. Legend of Korra. It went off air at some point the last season because mm-hmm. of all the themes they were doing. Um, but they also went online and said, yes, this is canon, yes, this is what we're doing. Mm. And since then, they've had the comics that were released where they definitely have it be okay. canon. They've had really cool conversations with other characters about being yeah. out, and then they've had other characters coming cool. out. So, like, since then, the writers have done a really good job yeah. of creating And that. I bet it has to do with being off of the mainstream television, yeah. because I know that a similar thing happened with uh, at Adventure Time. Uh, with Marceline and Princess Bubblegum, where they had originally always thought that those two characters uh, were lesbians and together, Um, but they were told by... This is what I remember looking up once. They were told by Cartoon Network that if they did that, they would cancel the show. Like, if they ever showed anything like that. And and it's funny because it's that, that that same network a couple of years later started doing um, Steven, Steven Universe, Universe. Mm-hmm. which uh, is its own kind of People thing. People can grow. It's yeah. so nice. Yeah, and, I, and they have allowed more of a relationship thing, dynamic for mm-hmm. Marceline and Princess Bubblegum, but I don't know much about it because I stopped watching Adventure Time a little while ago. Um, yeah. But are there any other, like... Any other things that you have seen recently that kind of... Because my, my thing about... Uh, my, the thing I've noticed about lesbians and bisexuals uh, being represented in television is that it's kind of... It's kind of either implied and never said mm-hmm. or it's used almost as a joke. It's used kind yeah. of as comedic fodder. Um, well, and I... It's going to sound pretentious. I'm kind of weird because I don't watch the mainstream representation. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, uh, the biggest things I've watched, especially recently, are um, Carmilla, which started as this YouTube web series, yeah. so like not mainstream at all, and uh, Winona Earp, which is a Canadian television mm-hmm. show. So like pretty off the beaten path. Winona Earp, I, a lot of people know about, I think. Yeah. Um, could you tell me more about Winona because so I don't know much about it. I mean, the, pre- the premise of the show is um, the Old West gunslinger Wyatt Earp. Yeah. Uh, he was, like, his family line was cursed, and so all his descendants have to, whenever they turn 27, I think, um, all these demons are coming after them, and they have to mm. kill all the demons, and if the, the Earp heir dies, then all the demons are resurrected as meaner and badder than Whoa. before. And so, like, during, like, Winona Earp is the Earp heir currently, and during... Her, like, once she turns 27, she has to kill 77 of these demons. Um, uh, the representation in it is her little sister, Waverly, uh, finds out that she's... I think she's bi. They don't really say either bi or lesbian, but she's bi. Mm-hmm. Um, and she dates a local police officer, Nicole Hot. Yes. Yeah. wonderful. Um, That's interesting. I mean, because, like, in, in Supergirl, mm-hmm. where... Um, the the sister character finds out that she's yeah, also a, a lesbian and and she falls in love with a cop mm-hmm. which yeah that's odd but. I know I was watching I binged it over Christmas break and I kept mm-hmm. thinking about that and I was like wow this is there's a lot of similarities yeah. to that um, so so they do it with the with like a side character with like a a secondary character, a secondary not character. not so much, not the main character. I thought it was the. I thought it was what you know. It's not group. no. Okay. Um, they do the writer Emily Andrus. I think mm-hmm. is her name, and I'm gonna feel so bad if I get that wrong. She's amazing. She does a really good job of like taking care of that storyline um, and giving it a lot of volume. They get a lot of screen time together, which is yeah. really nice, um, and pretty good like pacing as far as like one of uh, Waverly Earp starts as. Think she's in, no, she's not engaged, but she's dating the guy. She's dating an idiot guy, and then uh-huh. realizes she's bi or gay or whatever, yeah. and has feelings for Nicole. And so they kind of go through that whole storyline and have them together, and 
they're both doing all the other crazy things that happen in the show mm-hmm. and fighting demons. So they yeah. also, it's not just about them being it's, gay. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is really I, nice. I think there's very few, there's very few forms of media that have, yeah. like, people just being gay because, and that's weird to me because, like, you get a lot of shows that are heterosexual people just being heterosexual. Just being heterosexual. People, yeah. So. Well, and that's, and I think that's why I like, because I like Supergirl, mm-hmm. which does that, and Winona Earp, and Carmilla definitely does that. Yeah. Um, Where there's something else happening. There's something else happening. Carmilla, no one even, nobody ever comes out. They mm-hmm. just, they're they, gay. Yeah. Um, which is so very refreshing and very nice. Yeah. Um, and I tend to like those better than, like, I mean, I haven't seen a lot of the movies, but I like, that's why I like those better than, like, say, Carol, which is all about, like, oh, they're gay and they're realizing their yeah. feelings for each other. There's other stuff going on in Carol, yeah. but... I wanted to take a moment, and uh, I know Whooping Cough and I have talked about this, but this idea of the coming out narrative being kind of a thing that almost always happens in in media that's mm-hmm. representing um, queer people, but um, what, what do you think about the way that these different shows have represented coming out or not coming out in the case of... Uh, Carmilla, yeah. and yeah. Um, I actually, uh, so I'm going to talk about Supergirl, because the mm-hmm. reason I started watching it is because Alex Danvers' character came out, um, but I saw, I would see screenshots and gift sets of it, and mm-hmm. the dialogue was just golden, it was yeah. so well done, um, and she was very, she was very afraid to come out, even though she was still in a supportive situation, and um, coming out while having feelings for someone, yeah. it's been so long since I've watched those episodes, but I remember watching those scenes over and over and mm-hmm. over again. Um, Because it was just so well written. Yeah. Um, I'm going on tangent. I love Supergirl. What did you? No, no, no. That's partially it. Like, what are your thoughts about the way that coming out is represented in this type of media? Because in a lot of stuff, it seems to be like that's it. Like you're you're done growing as a queer person once you come out. But like uh, with Alex Danvers, like. They're, they're still going. yeah they're yeah. still showing that and there's some I struggle. There, I so. TV shows tend to do it better because they have they more time. they have more time they mm-hmm. can have seasons upon seasons afterwards mm-hmm. of stuff that happens um, and you know TV shows change characters so often that you can have relationship upon yeah. relationship um, so that's really nice I think I mean I. F- I'm tired of the coming out narrative while at the same time I absolutely adore it because mm-hmm. I think that's one of the biggest representation things like if you're mm-hmm. a little kid and you see someone coming out on television yeah that kind of shows you you can do it too and there's so many different coming out narratives like everyone has a different story everyone has mm-hmm. 10 different stories um and so I think that's a really important thing but I do like how tv shows can keep going beyond that and I don't like how a lot of movies a lot of stories kind of I mean, I don't know about so much anymore, but it definitely initially just only focused on, you know, coming out and that's it. That's, that's it, the end. Yeah. Like, suddenly everything's perfect because you found out you were gay. Yeah. I'm wondering if there's going to be a point where the coming out narrative has become so common that we're going to move out of that as being a thing within our media mm-hmm. of, of, of representation of queer people because there'll be so many different things that you can point to. Yeah. Of course, um, the there there are still problems with the way that it's being represented because it's not... Um, it, it especially isn't showing how coming out is a continuous process of, of yeah. like... Um, because, like, Alex Danvers is a, le- a lesbian, but she has come out to her friends and family, but we don't see her having to kind of continually well she, yeah. we did see it once i think in the planet x in episodes. the crossover yeah and she came out with um is it sarah lance yeah I, yeah um which was also very very awkward and very mm-hmm. well done i think do you have any other thoughts about especially the way lesbians are dealt with like because yeah yeah i'll just, just go with that in general with mm-hmm. everything I don't know, I feel like lesbian, and I guess this works for gay men too, but it's such a weird thing because, um, like, queer, queer women 
representation can be either lesbian or bisexual and a lot of the times they just don't specify it mm-hmm. like if so if a character comes out on a tv show and she's previously had a boyfriend is she bisexual was mm. she just was it just heteronormativity yeah um and they don't very often say that and i think i don't think it matters as far as like the character and the storyline goes but um i mean we've had the conversation about yeah. the word specifically lesbian yeah. Um, and oh, how yeah. it's mm-hmm. how it's kind of it's so taboo even in the LGBTQ plus community. Yeah. Um, uh, especially, uh, I feel like a lot of it has to do, unfortunately, with the porn and yes. um, lesbianism. Way, it's a it's a porn category. Yeah, like the the way that the heterosexual male gaze has yeah. taken control of female like relationships is mm-hmm. is so twisted um it's so terrible like i hate that it's that, it's, that it's hard yeah. for people to even identify as lesbians because there there is that kind mm-hmm. of attached it's to so it. it's so heavily sexualized and even mm-hmm. in movies and stuff like yeah. um that is one thing that it kind of bothers me about lesbian representation um, that so often couples will be like someone will have just come out and then their first relationship like their second date they're sleeping constantly mm. with each other yeah. um, which happens like that would happen but there's also like I don't know like I feel like a, there's, there's a very hyper sexualized in a lot of uh, media and a lot of film and that's just kind of what they go th- for Yeah. Um, the movie Atomic Blonde that had um, the main character I, me and Amy have talked about this yeah. a lot uh, the main character, Charlize Theron, uh, she kind of, like, gets with a girl, kind mm-hmm. of, and, like, it's implied that they have feelings for each other, but it's mostly sex. Okay. Um, and so it's just kind of that... Yeah, you it, don't see an emotional development happening. Yeah, it's like, oh, you, you came out, you're dating now, you're sleeping together. Mm-hmm. Where that would, For a lot of people, I think that'd be a lot of... There's, like, a lot of internalized homophobia, a yeah. lot of, uh, like panic and kind of like mm-hmm. learning how to do something because every sex message we get pushed like pushed at us is male on female so something that antonio has told me about was um like working with internalized biphobia mm-hmm. of like being in relationships and realizing that you do have these these things holding you back because of internalized biphobia and, and uh Home, uh, homophobia and mm-hmm. everything. Uh, yeah, it's it's kind of weird. <laughs> and yeah, and they don't they don't show that. There's yeah, it, representation's because... a lot less messy, mm-hmm. which kind of makes sense in terms of storyline, and is also really disappointing. Yeah, it, it's because like how do you how how do you go about explaining dealing with internalized homophobia or mm-hmm. biphobia? And because that that would be several episodes I think of, of having these kind of deeper yeah. discussions about mm-hmm. what what that means and a lot of TV shows and movies don't really think they have the time for it yeah. like um, it it really is I guess difficult for them to process it but like there's gotta be a way of doing it there's gotta be a way of I think it's also, it would be extremely frightening if you were a straight writer and trying to portray internalized homophobia and not portray it as homophobia. Mm -hmm. You want to treat it with respect and that's very hard to do, I think. And that that would be terrifying. That leads to like a whole issue and problem with the way that writers' rooms work and uh, the hiring of writers' room, of writer rooms in Hollywood because like not a lot of people of color and queer people are being hired for for those jobs. Mm-hmm. I listened to this podcast called Whiting Wongs with Dan Herman and Jessica Gao and they talk mostly about um, the way that race uh, is being represented in um, writers rooms and the issues with that because mm-hmm. Dan Harmon in his uh, television like uh writing rooms he is trying to make it 50 50 men and women and then he's he's starting to think about how race plays into it but also how gender is even farther than that Mm -hmm. and like uh and sexuality and everything and how to further representation within media 
and um, the the thing is that like there are a lot of white cis men mm-hmm. who are trying to write these storylines who don't know what they're talking yeah. about and who are afraid of the backlash of mm-hmm. it and it's understandable but like fucking get someone who knows what they're talking about yeah and that's that's also what i think about the um the coming out storyline because you know there's that that rule of thumb that you see sometimes that's uh you can write diverse stories even if you're not that specific kind mm-hmm. of diverse you just can't write the story about being diverse. So, like, a straight person yeah. can write a story with gay characters, they just can't write a story about being gay. Mm-hmm. Um, which I don't think is always true. Um, I think that's very limited, but in general, that's a really good idea. Yeah. And if you're going to try and do that, you have to be really careful. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's the problem with having so many car- coming out narratives. Yeah. I, I think this is interesting, especially for us, because, like, we both write and we both kind mm-hmm. of think about that of course our types of writing are different but I, I do I do think about like especially when I'm thinking about screenwriting the the way that you would represent these yeah. type of things yeah. mm-hmm. so um, I think we're gonna kind of move that towards our discussion of San Junipero because yes. it's it's interesting where originally uh, San Junipero was written with a heterosexual couple mm-hmm. and then the the writer of that episode decided, that it just didn't work well, that, yeah. that there had to be a change. Mm-hmm. So I think you read more about this than I did. but I was just, I kind of like scrolled past it, and mm-hmm. the writer actually kind of said, it was he was asked about what his writing advice is, and he was kind of, I think, I'm guessing it was a joke, kind of being like, well, I made this gay and it worked, so yeah. that's my writing advice. Yeah. Um, that's my writing advice towards <laughs> anyone. <laughs> Yeah. Um, just make it gay and it'll be great I mean yeah yeah. I picked up my novel after how many years again and yeah. realized it was gay and now I'm writing it again well yeah that, that's also like that's a whole other episode <laughs> of the podcast that I would love to do because like you you were already doing these things like you were uh, already representing <laughs> yes. these these relationships but you hadn't realized that they were Oh, oh, that they were lesbian relationships. Sixteen-year-old me thought she was straight, and all of her characters were straight. And oh, honey, yeah, and that's that's not how it works. That's really interesting. <laughs> like you're, uh, and we've talked about this. You're uh, the idea that you've come to with like coming out. Like that was such an interesting process of where you were creating these things, yeah. and then you realized, like, you didn't only realize that you were gay but also that like everything Everything you had done before was Uh, that well that's like that's part of it Mm. this is this is a whole episode (laughs) but that is part of it like Mm. you have you look back and you realize oh that was a gay moment that was a gay moment i had a crush on that girl Um, and that's basically what it was was me being like oh i i had crushes on girls this is how i perceived friendships this is Mm -hmm. how my characters perceived friendship so yeah with san junipero um I can't even so, say it. San Junipero. I'm so. Let's just go with like your overall first thoughts about the the episode. Um, it was so pretty. <laughs> okay, it was really weird watching it because I knew how it ended. Yeah. Um, and I've known how it ended pretty much since it came out. Yeah. Um, and how long has it been out? It's been, it's out, been for out for over a year now. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Um. Maybe close to two years, possibly. I yeah, because I knew what it was about. I knew how it ended. Um, I vaguely knew the like technology aspect of it, mm-hmm. um, but I didn't know anything about the characters. Yeah. Um, and I didn't. I didn't even know like that final scene, who was proposing to who. Mm. Um, so that was really interesting. Uh, San Junipero is the fir- the fourth episode of the third series of. Um, Black Mirror and Black Mirror kind of historically is kind of a much sadder um, like the episodes tend to be more Twilight Zoney and kind of show you show you yeah what's what's wrong with uh, technology in our society and how technology is kind of making us worse and everything but San Junipero is kind of an odd an odd episode out because it it does show some wrong things, uh, kind of with the technology, but but it's mostly about it's mostly about this relationship between mm-hmm. two women and 
the struggle that they have uh, and their thoughts of what it means to die and what it means to uh, especially stay in San Junipero in this like um, this it's technological matrix, matrix place um, versus like passing on like everyone else has <laughs> so I yeah and I actually I remember reading um, like finding out what Black Mirror was and yeah. that San Junipero was part of that and like there was a huge point and a huge kind of impact that it was mm-hmm. this really like kind of traumatizing show and the one good thing out of it like one happy ending was mm-hmm. San Junipero and was a lesbian relationship because yeah. I mm, I don't know what are dates on that between that and the whole Klexa thing it, that it was that came out in 2016, 2016 so that was definitely yeah. after um, Lexa was killed on the 100 which is mm. what the whole um, you, you need to explain that a little bit more because yeah. I also don't understand what you're talking yeah, about so, <laughs> so the whole I mean Barrier Days has been a long, around for a long time but mm-hmm. I think modern kind of like resurgence of fighting against the barrier gaze trope started yeah. or like very much like gained a hype one when the 100 a cw show killed their character lexa uh-huh. um and the relationship well, I'm was assuming is... yeah there was a relationship between lexa and clark who okay. were yeah both both women in the show um, and I, I never watched the 100. I was about to, and then this episode came out, and I did not even start it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was uh, kind of like a people were saying it was related. Uh, it was exactly how they had done it in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. There was mm. a scene where they like they were sleeping together. They were all warm and cuddly and in bed and really happy. And then basically, like the next scene, she's Lexa got shot by a stray bullet. Mm. Um, it wasn't like she was even killed in combat yeah. or anything like that. Cause she's like a warrior. It's a very like gritty kind of yeah. dark show. I I don't really it's, know. It's the um, it's almost the horror movie trope of yeah. of like if you do anything sexual, especially anything homosexual, mm-hmm. you're you're gonna die. Yeah. So, so that happened, and then that's when a whole bunch of like like the barrier gays thing got a lot mm-hmm. of uh, flash like backlash. That's the word. Um, got a lot of got a lot of backlash, and um, especially with uh, women loving women relationships. Yeah. And I think the thing with the one hundred that was, and this is all what I've read online and seen because I'm not wasn't part of the fandom or anything like that. But the thing that was really bad about it is the writers would go onto forums and in interviews mm. talk about how they're going to treat this relationship with care. That this was then, that Klexa yeah. was what they were going for, and then they just killed her off, and so and like the whole queer baiting yeah. hype became a thing, kind of yeah. with that. Um, I do want to talk about queer baiting a little bit later on. I have, I have feelings a, about it. I have a, um, I have a, especially a particular example that I want to talk about. Okay, but um, anyway, so but, yeah. um, so as far as San Junipero goes, coming out after that, and I. We talked about how the writer said he originally started mm-hmm. with a heterosexual couple and just couldn't yeah. write it. And I can't help but wonder if that's part of it. Like, he had this really happy theme and it didn't... Like, giving it to a queer couple is such a refreshing stroke. It mm-hmm. gives it it gives it gives something else. It's not just yeah. happy. It's, like, like record-setting, basically. Mm-hmm. It's a phenomenon. And especially a biracial... A biracial, uh, yeah, set in the in the eighties. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I, it's technically the eighties. Like it's it's a place that is supposed to simulate like culture of the mm-hmm. uh, well, like the structure of the eighties, but with with more kind of open thoughts about it and in the yeah. way of like there weren't that many people who were like actually gawking at them or making fun of them yeah. or whatever because we're assuming. That this is happening far future, far enough yeah. in the future where this isn't a problem because uh, the char- the characters get married in the real world yeah without no any no an yeah eye. no one no one's like that's kind of weird <laughs> like yeah 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 um, then again they were gonna let her marry a guy who was like half her age so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like they're already prepared for weird things. Yeah, it was also like a a, a nurse who worked at the place. That's even where, weirder. Yeah, the the thing about it is like it it was 
I think everyone kind of knew that Greg was marrying her mm -hmm. because of uh, because it, it was it was more of a pity thing in a way that yeah. she could get what she wanted. Um, and I want to uh, Yorkie is the character that we're talking about. Uh, Which, if you if so. you think about it, is a very could be very symbolic of yeah. like having a beard. Basically, is it a beard if it's the girl who's gay and needs? I've never thought about this, but I think it's a beard either way. I don't think there's a term for it. What else would you call it? Well, beard makes sense because, like, you know, your typical feminine gay guy would not yeah. have. And so, so like, there's, like, some sort of, like, uh, but, uh, it's gross, but it makes it, sense. It is gross. Like, the term uh, is kind of gross. And people still use it. Like, it's not yeah. a thing that's gone Well, I don't think people think about it that hard. Yeah, well, yeah, it's not, it's what not a big. For a girl? I don't know dress. I, I was thinking something <laughs> like that. Uh, skirt this is, is bad. even this too is really much. Bad yeah, general. this is bad. It's a beard. We're just gonna yeah, go. <laughs> so, but like, that is kind it's of interesting. It's very symbolic. Mm -hmm. It could be, and I just thought of this, so it could be not symbolic at all. No. I don't know. Um, but the idea of having to marry a guy in order to get past some sort of legal... Yeah. Uh, legal liability, yeah. responsibility, and, and clause. She, and Greg was totally fine with everything like mm -hmm. he was happy to meet kelly he was happy to know that there was someone that actually cared mm -hmm. for yorkie and stuff and he he was just helping someone who was in a really tough place that wouldn't that wouldn't the, it, it, the episode kind of goes a little bit over this but like the euthanasia aspect of it is mm -hmm. is kind of it's it's interesting that they would have like three levels of approval yeah. for it um, because they need the patient, a doctor, and then a family member. Family so mm -hmm. so as to know that uh, the people who are doing it aren't doing it just because they want to be uploaded into San Junipero yeah. um, to live forever in San Junipero. But yeah, I I don't know. Um, that's, I think, a whole other thing to think about. <laughs> that's, um, that's, a, that's a black mirror yeah, thing. Yeah, that's a very black mirror thing. Um, but, so you you generally liked it. Like, you, you thought... I think it had a lot of really good things. I think it had, um, I was thinking about, like, really high points of it. Mm -hmm. uh, and we talked about, you know, as far as coming out goes, they didn't come out. They talked about it a little bit. Yeah. They had the conversation of, when did you know? Um, mm -hmm. but they they did not have to come out. They just were gay. Like all of yeah. a sudden, um, is it Kelly? Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, Kelly was like grasping Yorkie's thigh, and like yeah. it was great. Yeah, it was wonderful. And then also the um, that was very interesting. Uh, that like that scene was. It just, just felt very like that's how it would go with a mm -hmm. heterosexual couple. It yeah. felt very natural. Um, for at least for a party uh, scene, especially something that you would show. A heterosexual couple doing in mm -hmm. other media. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I think um, they had sex, but they were also just very physically affectionate with each other. Yeah. They're just very tender at all times. Yeah. And other than that one scene, they they weren't. They were dancing. They were sitting on the beach together. My, and my only thought is, um, like, I, w I was kind of afraid the second time around, watching like the that scene with the grasping of the thigh. Uh, Kelly seeming almost like a predatory lesbian. Like I, I, I watched a video recently um, with uh, of the YouTube show Sexplanations talking uh, with a famous lesbian YouTuber whose name I cannot come up with right now. Mm -hmm. Stevie Bobby on the episode How Lesbians Flirt with Stevie Bobby on Sexplanation. She was talking about how there, uh, within lesbian dating, there there are sometimes the idea of predatory lesbians yeah. who almost repeat the. Um, yeah, because you you can't help compare to you know the usual people who are chasing after women, mm -hmm. which is guys who can men who can be very can be very predatory, yeah. and women can too. The way I've and I don't know what video you were watching the way i've yeah. always seen it talked about it's like uh, an example of like internalized homophobia yeah example an example of internalized homophobia um and that's like you can just feel like you're being predatory and like i mm. that's i deal with that having crushes on people um especially having crushes on my friends being like 
no, you can't, you can't do that. You should just be yeah. friends with them and just be happy with being friends with mm. them. Um, and I think, and I, that's something I thought about too while watching it, but I think the fact that they have her immediately like back off to yeah. her comfort level, was, to yeah. Yorkie's comfort level, and um, being completely okay with Yorkie being even slightly awkward with her. Yeah. She didn't push her in any way after yeah. that. She was just being flirty. And that it is a fine line to walk and... Um, then Yorkie asks for help. Like Yorkie wants yeah. wants to be comfortable with yeah. it, but it doesn't know how to. They have and, they have such great communication through uh, most of the especially episode. like you have to think Yorkie's doing it um, after being in essentially a coma for over forty yeah. years. So like being physical, let, yeah, let she, alone it's not with just about else. her being gay. It's yeah. about her being intimate with yeah. anyone. Yeah, because um, she's never been intimate with anyone. Which is yeah, and like uh, the scene where they have sex, I actually really loved it. And I think mm. this is slightly a trope. I also just read fan fiction a lot, but the whole Yorkie saying you have to show me or mm, whatever yeah, that line was. That's what it. I love that, and I think that's such a you sweet think? like. Oh, okay. I I do. I think it's um. And I think it's such a sweet kind of thing because it's it's a thing whether mm-hmm. uh, I mean it was Yorkie's first time or whether it's just your first time with a woman or if you're a yeah. gay guy of first time with a man, um, it would be different mm-hmm. uh, and it would it, that's something. It's and not it, something that it, you see. Normally. I think it displays a kind of like trust mm. and a kind of like that's... vulnerability that makes it a little more emotional mm. and not just sex. That's really interesting. What are I, your thoughts on I, this? I, I was I was kind of conflicted a little bit uh-huh. about it because it it reminded me a little bit about and I think you're going to hate this comparison. Are but the, the Yeah, the Grey's Anatomy episode where Lexi Teach shows me. up to uh, this older man's kind of hotel room and uh, takes off her clothes and says, teach me, teach me. And I, I kind of find that a little, like, too much. This was this was uh, a much calmer, mm-hmm. but, but it's that idea of someone who isn't as sexual asking someone and it's not about uh the gender or sex of those people but it's more about experience versus inexperience experience yeah and Mm -hmm. the way that people the way that people treat people who have never had sex before in media of of this idea of um here i am please teach me well, and that show is, me yeah and that's a very dangerous vulnerable yeah. position that you can put yourself in yeah. um with those two examples i think there's just there's a slight difference between mm-hmm. um you know in san junipero they're both already in bed yeah. already making out and one of them says you'll have to show me versus just showing yeah. up randomly at this guy's apartment who oh, you yeah. don't have a relationship with yeah <laughs> um, had they kissed before that i don't remember also, Mark was her teacher. Yeah, so yeah Mark was, like, yeah. There, there are there other are levels, too. There's, like there's a difference. Um, but I I remember hearing, yeah. I remember watching that scene. You guys showed me that scene uh, with Lexi and yeah. Mark. It was and out I of was context, freaked too. out. But, like, watching Grey's Anatomy now and with the context, I did like it yeah. a little bit more. Yeah. I, I think I'm with you. There's still some parts of it that make I, me uncomfortable. I think but, my, but my thing has to do with the inexperience experience mm-hmm. idea, yeah. not, not and with still that, the way that it is. Yeah, and, like, the way that it was handled in both shows mm-hmm. is that um, it was just kind of, like, this position of, like, yeah. opening up and being yeah. vulnerable with your partner. Um, and I think there's there can be something very very sweet about mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Um, and that's I, that's a trope with uh, same sex relationships. Yeah. I think. Yeah, I um, I agree. Like from you talking about it, I'm a little bit. I I think I'm a little bit more understanding mm-hmm. of of that point of view of it being a very sweet moment. Like it, instead of it being a conflicting thing of yeah. of power dynamics, it's it's an opening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's really cool. Yeah. I like that. I I I still find the the editing of that scene a little odd where where they they're about to have sex and then there's a cut of a wave uh, crashing and <laughs> that's Stephanie so like graciously just pointed out and I had to think of every well, like, badly written like smut fan fiction that like the orgasm crashed over her in yeah, waves yeah and that's the thing is is that like. I thought that the first time that we watched this, uh, and I think Stephanie and I talked about it because it it was kind of like 
kind of overhanded. Like, it, yeah. it felt a little... But yeah. but also, like, it was funny. It was kind of a lighter and moment, yeah. I guess. And there's also... There's a ton of beach imagery in yeah. San Junipero. So, yeah. like, that kind of, Yeah, because like, it's... Yeah. I th- I, yeah, I feel like it could be other things. It's pretending right. to be a resort if, town. I think, yeah, yeah, if Stephanie hadn't said anything, uh-huh. I wouldn't have noticed, and I would have been fine with it. But she said something, and so now I just laugh. <laughs> I... Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, what do you think about the the placing of the the relationship being apparently in the eighties? Like um, having having it kind of cater to the the nostalgia that we have currently now mm-hmm. because All there's of us who didn't live in the eighties very well, nostalgic for the eighties. Well, the thing is, it it falls with this forty year rule uh, with yeah. nostalgia, mm-hmm. where people in the eighties were very nostalgic of the fifties, yeah. and you see that in in shows like um, um, what was. The good times, uh, the 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 not the good place. Um, <laughs> happy days. Happy days. Yeah. You you see that with happy days mm-hmm. because it's it's representing the fifties in a yeah. like really light and no, happy way, does. and and I, that's what's really happening now with the eighties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you have that you have everyone loves things. John Hughes movies. You mm-hmm. have Stranger Things, um, and San Junipero, and that's yeah, that's definitely an aesthetic. Yeah. That's so just there. what what do you think about uh, how like the placing of that relationship? I, okay, that I really period. like it. I think because you always have the completely idiotic argument of like, oh, why aren't there people of color in this Victorian era film? Mm, and people yeah. people are like, oh, because it's Victorian era, as if you know black people were yeah. invented in the nineteen fifties. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's the same way with sexuality. Mm. So I think it is really I I. There have to be modern day love stories and representation, yeah. of course, but there, I love having that kind of like, can you call it a period piece if it's yeah. just the eighties? That period piece. Of, it, it is a, like, if we yeah. decided to make a movie about the early two thousands, that's still a period, that's a period piece. piece. Yeah, um, that's beautiful. I, I'm just picturing that now. But yeah, <laughs> it's it's very important to have that representation uh-huh. and to say like, oh yes. This existed at the time. Like people mm. in the eighties were gay. People in the Victorian era were yeah. gay. People in ancient Greece were gay. Yeah. Looking at you, Sappho. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I really like that. And I think, I, I just there's a culmination of things in San Junipero. There's, there's the, you know, the paradise, the beach, mm. the eighties, and yeah. the fact that it's gay that just all kind of make it like super special. Mm. And I think that's what it, like, and maybe it's because it was built up in my mind so much, and then yeah. it ended up also being very good that it's just a very yeah. special thing that's that's interesting because for me i watched it only knowing one fact or two facts essentially it was gay it won an a pretty big award i think an emmy, didn't it? yeah it won yeah. an emmy and it's a happy episode of black mirror mm-hmm. those were the only three things I knew about the show I knew nothing else but you you knew more about I, uh, some ideas of the yeah episode, I knew about so. the proposal on the beach yeah. I knew you guys had told me about like yeah. the technology with mm-hmm. it um and, and that might actually be all I knew was that yeah. they ended up that ended up was a happy episode of a really mm-hmm. sad show um, yeah so so it still lived up to your expectations of it. It did. Yeah. It did. I'm um, very happy about that. Like I think that shows quite a bit of how special this episode is. Yeah. Like, and that's and I think that's I think that's actually a really good word for it. Is it is just special. It's something mm-hmm. it stands out. And like that's I following following people on Tumblr, um, because that's the mm-hmm. only place I know other lesbians. Yeah. <laughs> Rip. Um but following people on Tumblr, there's always they move you move from fandom to fandom and everyone has their favorites and mm-hmm. yeah. special special is a very good word for it because mm-hmm. everyone you you have all these different representations but everyone kind of has this kind of nostalgic feel already yeah. for San Junipero yeah. and it just I've never heard a critique of it and I think and I think also because it's so isolated yeah. and in itself there, there are some people um who I've heard saying things that like it just really isn't that inventive it's kind of using these tropes and stuff but like i also think it's that I ha- it's it's interesting to see those type of relationships 
show those tropes represented in this time period because we have never yeah. seen those I before. Have this, I have so this like, philosophy as a writer because I'm currently mm-hmm. writing um, writing a fan fiction, among other things, that's a high school AU and uses yeah. all of the tropes ever. And I have this philosophy that if it's with a pairing that hasn't been... like. You have all these heterosexual tropes, mm-hmm. but you put them onto a queer couple, and they're not tropes anymore because it hasn't yeah. been done over and over again. Or you That's put it on true. a mixed race couple, yeah. and it's not a trope because it's not done over and over again. It's the whole thing that makes it tired is that it's always being done, but nothing's always being done with queer representation. That's, yeah, I, we're not I, at that point yet, so we can do anything. That's really. That's a really good way of explaining it, and I think that's what makes this episode very, mm-hmm. very special. Yeah, I, I love, I love the way that you think about that. That's really cool. Um, are I'm gonna, gonna. Are you gonna tell me about the? I'm gonna ending? tell you about the original <laughs> ending. So I'm reading this straight off of the Wikipedia page from uh, about San Junipero, but it essentially said, uh, let's say. The episode was originally intended to have an unhappy ending. Brooker told the Daily Beast that in a rough treatment, the episode ended at the scene where Kelly and Yorkie meet in the hospital, but when I sat down to actually write it, I was enjoying it so much that I thought, no, I'm going to keep going. He had an idea for the ending where you saw them in loads of different eras, such as the 20s. Following the episode's release, Brooke was asked about uh, a Reddit post speculating that Kelly is uh, simulated for Yorkie's benefit rather than really there, and he replied, wrong, they are together, and comments that they have the happiest ending imaginable. It's not a a big rainbow sandwich, but what appears uh, to be happening there is happening there. So, I like that. So it, it was supposed to be sad in the way of it was going to end with um, Yorkie's pa- Yorkie going Passing to San Junipero and, Kel- and kind of implying that Kelly wasn't, going, wasn't to. going to or not. I think, but even that though, I mean, obviously it wouldn't be a happy ending, mm-hmm. but it wouldn't be a tragic ending. Mm. It would be sad, but it wouldn't be tragic. Yeah. And I think the fact that um, he like that was his unhappy ending rather than like you know the stereotypical one of them dies oh, yeah. or like if Kelly hadn't gone to see her or anything like that. Um, having this ending like even the unhappy version yeah. is there's they they still have that time together and yeah. they still see each other. Um, and also it's a still a happy ending in the retrospect of what all other Black Mirror episodes are. Yeah. Like, you having never seen any other episodes. From what but, I've heard, but this, is, it's, this sounds pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Because there's some there's some weird shit that I wish I could unsee from <laughs> uh, Black Mirror, but I still watch it sometimes, sometimes. Uh, with Stephanie during the day. Um, that, that kind of makes sense, though, because I was actually thinking when we watched it that it felt, like, longer than I thought it was going to be. Mm. Or I thought that it was going to end... I, I thought it was going to end with uh, Kelly proposing on the beach. Oh. And, like, um, you kind of don't get the answer of what happens afterward. Um, and so mm. that's where I thought... That's interesting. That's where I thought it ended. And so you can kind of... I can kind of see where he was, like... Where the story kind of, like, leads up to this point mm. and then it goes on. Yeah. That was actually going to be my only, like, kind of critique on it was that it, like, flowed just a little differently at the mm. end. Um like the actual ending of it yeah the actual ending of it like after that beach scene because everything seemed very like put together and like rounded out Mm. and then after the beach scene it had just like a slightly different tone which makes sense with the story yeah but um because kelly does uh ride off of yeah the the has an accident there's like yeah there's yeah quite a bit of conflict yeah and like with that beach scene you don't that's not there's a lot of questions Mm -hmm. left unanswered there yeah. Um, so I understand why he went, and I like I like that he went yeah. on to do, it. and I like that they had this happy ending, and then they had a fight, and mm-hmm. they had conflict, and then they had their second happy ending. I yeah. guess that still has conflict in it. Like, yeah. Kelly still doesn't get to see. Well, she didn't think she was going to see her husband yeah. and daughter anyway. But but she still has she to... wanted to in some way spiritually yeah. be with them. But it, it's kind of like what Yorkie said in the sense of like you could always take yourself offline. Yeah. Like the like if something happens with their relationship and and she doesn't feel like it's 
fulfilling. She could take herself offline and and not have to be there. But um, but what I do like about this is uh, the fact that he went on to state uh, about this Reddit post about like, is it just so that your key's okay or whatever mm-hmm. that it's no that what you're seeing is what's actually happening because mm-hmm. it it shows that like there was actually a choice made and that Kelly made the choice but between these things yeah so. yeah um and that that always makes me nervous whenever writers are responding to things online. Yeah. And it, uh, obviously it's oh, going to happen more could, and more. Yeah. Um, but it, it Because always, it could go very wrong. It could go wrong. very wrong. And you're not really supposed to take, you know, creators' intent into mm. art. Um, at the same time that I love following my favorite writers, especially yeah. ones who do queer representation on Twitter and seeing their responses to themes yeah. and seeing them interact with fans and stuff. Um, but... Yeah, that that always scares me when people do that because like, what if? Yeah, yeah, it can go very yeah. wrong. It can what if they to, say the wrong thing? Or, yeah, yeah. They can, and they shouldn't be able to ruin your characters. Like if he had said like, oh yeah, maybe it's all just a figment of Yorkie's imagination. That mm. shouldn't affect you thinking like, no, I, I believe They're this. Happy, yeah. Um, at the same time, that it's it can be really disheartening to have the writer of your favorite characters say Something, actually. Yeah. Yeah, actually, this representation isn't as good as you want it to be. Yeah. Um, Which yeah, is where you I, get into queerbaiting. Now we're to the, <laughs> to the thing that I wanted to talk about for a quick, quick second, because it's about a different show. Um, I've been wanting to talk to you about Eleanor Shellstrop on The Good Place and whether or not her the implication of her by sexuality is possibly queer baiting um because they so there's in the show the good place this character is continuously every once in a while has these kind of jokes but like these actual feelings towards Mm -hmm. another female character like oh am i turned on by this i'm turned on by her uh maybe i should hang out with her the one joke of like oh she's my soulmate at some point because in the good place they have soulmates that they're matched with and there's there's this continual tension between uh in the fandom of of what that means and yeah what what do you think about like is that queer baiting is that not or do you think so, they're going to develop that even further do you think yeah like okay what, so what's there? so i remember first kind of like hearing about queer baiting and representation and everything and almost sliding into the everything is queer baiting kind of mindset mm. where you can get really angry about stuff um and like this is when clexa came like the thing yeah. with clexa happened um and that thing and then I read a definition once of what queer baiting was, and there's a couple things that happen. And so, so how I define queer, queer baiting is writers will specifically go out and try to get like queer fans, and they're mm. they're only doing like whatever representation do, whatever promises they make online, which I think is the big one um, that they in interviews or in forums or whatever say yes, our intent is to have this representation whatever they do that is to just get a following and then they don't care about the characters. Uh, Um, Or the fans. Or the fans. Um, And like, I remember, and I think one of the turning points for me was someone called the musical Wicked queerbaiting because you can easily, 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 obviously, as I do, read into the characters of Elphaba and Glinda who are just friends throughout the musical um, being queer and you can, like any sort of like reading into subtext, you can see that. Um, but they're not, and so someone was like, "It's it's queer baiting because they're not gay," and like mm-hmm. that's not true. They're just not gay. Yeah. Um, and I think that's how. And I haven't seen season two of The Good Place, but I think that's that's how I feel about it. Mm-hmm. Is that they're not hinting at a relationship going to happen with Tahani yeah. and Eleanor. They're just putting that in. Yeah. Um, and leaving it open for and and I think I've read that uh, Kristen Bell and Jamila Jamil. Um, have read kind of like seen posts and like I think Jamila Jamila was saying in the interview that she's mm. read fan fiction of yeah. the two characters yeah. and they both love it. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're just, both supportive. Yeah, of so just that having one. that for people to read into and for yeah. fandom to be able to take hold of. But I don't think it's queer waiting because yeah. it's not like the writers are, are being like this mm-hmm. is gonna happen. Just kidding. Yeah. Um, I feel like queer baiting has to be not really an intentional attack, but it's more of an attack rather mm-hmm. than just like 
okay. not putting representation up. That there. makes me feel somewhat better yeah. about it because I my thing is like I think about this constantly with Carolina and uh, Supergirl in the sense of just it's a thing that like it's more of their friendship that's being portrayed mm-hmm. and they don't really say that they're gonna do that but like I, I in my brain as a fan like I, I think it about yeah. it yeah and I want it and and I've been thinking about like what does that mean and having this I, the bigger definition of what queer baiting is yeah. like that's and I think that's I good. think a Tumblr fandom can be a very awful toxic place and yeah. Tumblr Supergirl fandom isn't yeah. isn't great yeah um, I think all fandoms have kind of a yeah any any kind of sizable place. fandom that will take that like has any kind of mainstream mm-hmm. media to it gets kind of bad and I people get so upset that Kara and Lena aren't a thing yeah. because they very easily could be and so they get very yeah. offended and they, they take it as a personal attack and I think Supergirl's a good like example because Kara and Lena is just that kind of like there could be representation but the writers haven't mm-hmm. done that whereas I think Maggie and Alex I remember being really annoyed when they broke up because writers had said in interviews we want to make this a modern mm. love story I think that was like an actual quote they said is they want to yeah. make it a modern love story Yes, they and yeah, the actress didn't sign on for full time on the third season, um, and so that's why they broke up. But there are other ways to write around that. Like they've written off characters without. At least they didn't kill her. At least though. they didn't kill her. That was great. But I feel like it. There was just a lot leading up to like the fact that they were about to get married and yeah. then they were broken up like an episode later two episodes later yeah um and i i've gotten over it because it was so beautifully done the dialogue was really great their last their like breakup scene was Mm -hmm. so well done um but they said in interviews like this is what we want to do we want to treat this and like after they realized they weren't going to have uh floriano lemus Mm -hmm. for the third season they kept saying like we want to treat this really well and then they had them break up and so that's kind of yeah and that's that's kind of what made me mad about that situation which they've done a great job with alex's character kind of throughout so Mm -hmm. you know you win some you lose some but yeah yeah, i think that's i think that's more on the side of queer baiting than say having Kara and lena be really close and possibly gay but not would be yeah i yeah i I think about that constantly with with that show specifically because like I, I really don't want Lena to be with James Olsen. So, so like, I, I'd rather Lena be with, like, I don't know, with Sam. anyone but no, James. No, I want Alex and Sam to get together. Alex and Sam, yeah. They're so cute. I know a lot of people who would disagree with me on yeah. that, like, definition of queer baiting yeah, and stuff. Yeah. But I'm right. So. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> but that's that's how I see it. Yeah. That's my real answer. The, the one thing... Uh, Antonio and I talk about on this podcast is that we uh, we are open to being wrong about yeah. things and like yeah. it's fine like I think we want if we are being wrong about something we want to find oh, out why definitely. and everything. There are people who have watched way more of these shows and know yeah. way more about screenwriting and yeah. uh, the whole television world that would probably tell me I'm wrong. Oh, so yeah. That's okay. Uh, and like Antonio and I talk shit so like yes (laughs) but um so just overall like san junipero was sweet (laughs) like it was pretty sweet it was all right all right my final question is if the technology existed of like being able to upload yourself would you do it that's that's really hard that's really hard i think i would i think it's it would be terrifying to do it in the way that San Junipero did, that yeah. this person I met a couple weeks ago oh, is yeah. now married to me in the digital afterlife. That would yeah. be terrifying to me. Like, how uh, well yeah. do they actually know each other? I, yeah, but that is me true. having never seriously dated a girl and being very afraid and still yeah. have internalized homophobia. So, my yeah. answer is yes. Simple answer, uh, yes. <laughs> I, I immediately thought yes because, like... Fuck yeah, I would love to live in the 80s for the rest of my... For, the like, the digital 80s. I know my significant other wouldn't necessarily want to be in the 80s, um, but we could time hop. Thank you, Grace the Ghost Host, for coming on and talking to me about I, this. I'm so happy to have been corp- corporeal. Go- corporeally? Corporeal. 
for the the evening. <laughs> I'm in high demand, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it took us uh, three Ouija boards. My five, physical manifestation yeah. is pretty yeah. pretty popular these it, days. It, it, so. took, it took a lot to get you here, but I'm happy you did come, I'm and happy too. I'm happy that we did this. Uh, thank you again, and that's it. <laughs> Good night, folks. You can follow Grace the Ghost Host on Twitter at Grace underscore Jessica, Grace underscore J-E-S-S-I-C-A-A. You can follow me at MoonPoet on Twitter, and you can follow the podcast at TheyThemPodcast. Don't forget to send us your emails with questions, thoughts on the podcast, to theythempodcast at gmail.com. We would really appreciate it if you followed the podcast on iTunes and left us a review. A good review would be nice. Thank you. Heaven is the place.